Hi there. You are listening to a message recorded by High Point Life. To listen to more messages and to find out more about our church, head over to our website at highpointlife.com. Our topic this morning is running with it. Wow, so that is going to be our keyword today, isn't it? Run. So we are going to dwell into this. And for your information, the scripture reference for our topic today comes from the book of Habakkuk. Now I want to give you a little bit of background about the book. And after that, we are going to run through the book and find out what exactly are we going to be running with it later on. Is that okay? All right. Now the book of Habakkuk um, was written around the time when the northern kingdom of Israel has already fallen to Assyria. And the southern kingdom of Judah is reigned by a wicked king, and there's moral decay, there's disintegrating social disorder in the southern kingdom, and it is basically in, at the brink of falling apart as well. So it's a very gloomy time. Okay? And Habakkuk, this prophet, carry great burden for the southern kingdom of Judah at the time and he came before God and confronted God in a very profound dialogue because the whole book is basically a dialogue. Habakkuk speak, God responded. Habakkuk speak, God responded again and then finally uh, responded to God. Okay? Now there are only three books, three chapters, sorry, there are only three chapters in the book of Habakkuk. The first chapter is confrontation. Habakkuk, confront God. The second chapter is revelation. That was the second time that God answered Habakkuk. Actually, Habakkuk confronted God twice. And the second time when God responded, God gave Habakkuk a revelation. Now, church says, Revelation. Later on, if we come to this part again, I ask you to say, okay, good, right, I'm warming up. <laughs> and the third chapter is submission. So that's when God has given Habakkuk the revelation and Habakkuk understood everything, Habakkuk submitted to God. So three chapters, okay, fine. So we're going to go into that right now. So we're going to, okay, by the way, Habakkuk's name actually means embrace. Embrace. So, punt intended. Let's brace ourselves right now and we are going to run through the entire book of Habakkuk. Okay. Now, the book begins immediately with Habakkuk's first complaint. Okay. So, Habakkuk said, How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife, there's conflict abounds, there's law is paralyzed, the justice never fulfilled, the wicked hem in the righteousness so that the justice is perverted. While you stack all those words together, it's more, more impressive than a big Mac. Big Mac, definitely. Okay, those words are heavy. You can sense the crushing burden that Habakkuk feel that overwhelming heaviness that he carried. The kingdom of Judah is rotting. 
is crumbling down within. Habakkuk couldn't live and couldn't understand God's seeming inaction. God seems to be indifferent. In his opinion, God is supposed to be doing something. Now, quick. But as far as he can see, God is not doing anything. And that's unbearable. I think that happens to us all the time, isn't it? Whether it's in our workplace, maybe uh, even in the church, uh, maybe um, in our family. Something we see, that's not right. Come on, the person in charge, come on, can you do something about it? But that person is maybe not doing, or we didn't see that person doing anything, taking any, any action, so we are like, Ugh! That's, that's what Habakkuk was. All right? He came before God, he complained to God. Why aren't you doing anything? In fact, he says, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you make me look at injustice? He forgot that God looked at all those things as well. In fact, God sees everything. So God responded to Habakkuk. God's first response. Look at enemies. Sorry, look at the nations. And watch. And be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Now Habakkuk has been looking. Isn't it just now he said he looked, looked, looked but he didn't watch intently enough. And he looked so much within, he didn't look around. Now God is trying to expand God's, uh, Habakkuk's perspective and horizon. He said, look at the nations. Don't just look inside. No, look at the nations and watch. And in fact, God says, I am going to do something now that even if I told you, you wouldn't even believe. So God wants Habakkuk to see the big picture, the grand scheme of things. And he wants Habakkuk to know, are you sure I'm not doing anything? Are you sure I'm indifferent? I am doing something. In fact, I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylon, the Babylonian that ruthless and impetuous people, a new rising evil superpower that is going to swallow up Judah. You can't believe, right? That's what I'm going to do. So Habakkuk is like going to the dentist and thought that his uh, tooth has some decay and need a patch. And then the dentist said, I'm going to extract it. No more. When Habakkuk heard this, he has a second complaint. Okay? God is doing too much. Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment on Judah. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Habakkuk perfectly understood because he just complained to God that Judah has all those problems inside. He understood that this is a punishment for Judah, but in his opinion, this is too much. It's very opinionated. Eh? Just now, too little or not doing anything, now too much. Just now, Judah is wicked. And now what he said? Your eyes are pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. 
Why do you tolerate the treacherous, which is the Babylonian? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Oh, suddenly Judah become the more righteous. Wow, he switches argument very fast, no? Maybe, maybe Habakkuk is referring to a smaller group of righteous people in the land. But that's still not quite right. Okay? Because righteousness and sinfulness, they are not relative. We are more righteous. There's no such thing. So it's very funny. His clumsy way of switching his argument with God. Now, we notice that even though Habakkuk didn't craft his second complaint very well, but clearly he has a heart for his nation. And he has a soft spot for his nation. He knows that his nation has sinned against God, but he pains, it pains him to see that God is going to punish them that way. Using a more weaker superpower. So Habakkuk is very sure that he has a strong argument. He's very sure that because we are the more righteous one, so I can argue with God. I can um, negotiate with God. So he came before God again with a... And this is what he said. He said, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me, what God will say this time, and what answer I'm going to give to his complaint. So basically he's saying that now I'm going to come before God one more time. And I believe that I have a very strong argument because Judah is the more righteous one. Okay? And I'm going to see what God is going to answer me right now and I'm prepared to engage with another round with God. Now the rampart speaks of a watchtower in the city wall where um, you know, those people go up there and watch out for danger. So Habakkuk positioned himself strategically at this lookout point, this vantage point. So he is physically and spiritually prepared in defense of his nation and in defense of his nation before the enemy, in defense of his nation before God. Wow, this guy is really spot on, isn't it? And he made a firm stand in all readiness to do everything within his capacity, whether to argue with God or whether to, if they see the bomb, if he sees the Babylon is coming, immediately inform Judah, the people, what to do. Okay? So he strategically positioned himself and prepared to engage with God one more time. Now, this is where it comes to our key scripture this morning. So this is the second time that God responded to Habakkuk. God says, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a harat may run with it. So there's an opening sentence huh, in, in God's words. The revelation comes later. God said, write down the revelation. To write down speaks of importance. Now we may go to the meeting and then we discuss, discuss, discuss. The chairperson said, write it down. Then we discuss, discuss, discuss. Everybody don't have a notepad. Just talk, talk, talk. Write it down. Speaks of importance. 
But more than just write it down, God says, make it plain on tablets. Meaning to say, write it down very clearly so that the message can be conveyed without confusion, without misinterpretation, without mistake. Make it plain. Speaks of clarity. So that the Harad may run with it. Speaks of urgency. Now the Harad is a messenger. So it could be like, you know, imagine Habakkuk is at the watchtower, he received the message from God or he sees something, he put it down, plain, and pass it on to the Herod and Herod carry it and run with it. So it's a messenger that's going to bring the message to all the people. But if you have different versions of the Bible with you right now, you might notice that some of your versions says, so that those who read can run. So it could be anyone. And maybe your Bible said, so that those who run can read. Hmm. But don't worry, it speaks of urgency. Whether it's those who read can run, or those who run also can read that vision. And continue running because it's urgent. Okay? And God didn't stop there. He continued to say, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Speaks of certainty. Where's the revelation? Not yet, not yet. Okay, be patient. But basically, God is telling Habakkuk, I'm going to give you a very important message. You've got to write it down very clearly and pass on the message with urgency because this message is certain. It's sure. Though it lingers, wait for it. But it is sure. So what is the revelation? So God began to say, See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. God is talking about the Babylon. And after that, God will continue and continue and continue. And then in verse 6, verse 9, verse 12, verse 15, verse 19, five times, woo to him, pointing to the Babylonian. There is going to be judgment for the Babylonian, the wicked one. So it would appear that the revelation is about God's judgment for the Babylonian. Okay, you see, huh? I'm not suggesting you do that, parents. Now your, your child is very naughty. You say, you continue to be naughty like that. I'm going to ask the police to come and punish you. And, and the child said, huh, huh? And then you say, don't worry, when the police come and punish you, I'll punish the police. They said, I am the wrong. I think it's like a mixed message, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a mixed message. And why is it so important, so urgent, and need to be said so clearly that it's going to punish Babylonian? I thought the problem was about Judah. Okay. 
Now you see, eh? Babylon is not the first and it's not the last wicked nation in the Old Testament. But Babylon is definitely the most iconic villain in the Old Testament. Why? Because at the end of the Old Testament, by the time we come to the book of Revelation, Babylon represents the wicked power that opposes God's kingdom. And in the Revelation, Jerusalem, the capital city of Judah, represents the church. Babylon is the opposite of Jerusalem. In the book of Revelation, the Babylon is the filthy prostitute and the church is the bride. So, in a way, right now, God pronounced woo to the Babylon. It's like multi-layer. Or maybe I'll just bring it down two-layer. Right? First layer, this Babylon nation that is going to invade and swallow up Judah will be punished someday. But Babylon, the weakness, sinfulness, opposition to God, this spirit, this kind of sinfulness are all going to be punished. Which is why, you see, God is using Babylon to punish Judah. And after that, God is also going to punish the Babylon. So what is it all about? God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Same thing. He is going to judge those who are against God's word, God's principle, God's kingdom. Now, it is interesting, but I'm not going to go through that in detail. It is interesting that in this whole section of chapter 2, God used two pronouns. God said, woe to him, the Babylonian. And after that, if you read carefully, God also said, you. So there's a you in the entire chapter and there's a him in the entire chapter. So God is speaking to Habakkuk. Habakkuk represents Judah. So there's a him, there's a you. Woe to him, what about you? Woe to him, but what about you? I'm sure God is more interested to correct Judah than just to punish the Babylon. In fact, God is more interested to correct Judah than to punish Judah. Now, the five wolves there speaks of the sin of injustice. So, I already mentioned that, why all the importance and all that, okay? The five wolves there so speaks of injustice, imperialism, inhumanity, intemperance, lost control, idolatry. All these are committed by Babylonian. Were, were committed by Babylonian. All these were committed by Judah as well. The Babylonian may be a worse bunch but the nation of Judah are not any better. So God is going to deal with both of them. Remember just now we said that God said, 
write it down and make it plain on tablets. Do you know that the only other time when God's words was written down on tablets is the Ten Commandments. It's at the monumental moment when the nation of Israel is formed and God gives them His instruction and it's written down on tablet. That's very significant. And right now, the nation is at the brink of falling apart and being swallowed up and no more. God said, write this now on the tablet because this is a very important last warning to my very own people. This message is important. You, you have to write it down clearly and tell the people in urgency because the punishment, the judgment is certainly going to come. Not just for Babylon, but for Judah. Wow. That's a very heavy message, isn't it? So, those who read should run, not running away, not run to prepare themselves for the invasion because that's going to be pointless. It's inevitable. They are going to be wiped out. But run to tell the fellow Judah, people of Judah, to turn from their wicked way and align themselves with the word of God. Run with it, one with the message, so that all the people will turn around and run to God. Repent. But is it going to change the fact that Babylon is going to come? No. Is it going to change the fact that Babylon is going to burn down everything, burn down every tree, kill every animals on the land? No. So is there hope? Yes. Because actually, right at the beginning, when God pronounced against the Babylon, God already said this word. But my righteous one will live by faith. Yes. Those who run to God will live by faith. Now the word faith here, actually this verse also may be translated as but my righteous one will live by his faithfulness. So faith and faithfulness actually are the same word in Hebrew and also the same word in Greek. So my righteous one will live by faith, but not talking about a one-time faith. My righteous one will live by his faithfulness, continuous faith, steadfastness in God. Those will live. So yes, many is going to perish, but a remnant, a group of selected ones, the righteous one, they will survive. There is hope. And these are the ones that have faith, keep faith until the end. And these are the ones, even though they go exiled to Babylon later, they are the one who is going to return 
rise up and build. These are the one. Now, this verse is the most important verse in the book of Habakkuk because it was quoted three times in the New Testament. It was quoted in Romans 1.17. It was quoted in Galatians 3.11. And it was also quoted in Hebrew 10.38. And I love the version in Hebrew 10.38 best because it goes like this. But my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. And it will continue and say, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith in are safe. But we, high point life, do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are safe. Safe for what? to come back and rise up and build. Amen? So after God has spoken all these words, very interesting, he ended with this, the Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth silent before him. Hush! Shut up! Sip it. Habakkuk, enough, don't need to say anything already. So Habakkuk complained twice. God answered twice. The second time God has given this revelation, and after God given the second revelation, God said, enough. Did Habakkuk understand? Yes, I believe Habakkuk understand. Now see, Habakkuk's name means embrace. I mentioned that early on. And at this point of time, Habakkuk has learned to embrace what God wants to do. He may have come to God with a lot of complaints, a lot of questions, a lot of doubts. He returned with the assurance and the confidence that God is working and always have the best interest for His people. And so we go to chapter 3. That's Habakkuk's submission his worship and his praise to God after he has heard all this. After he has understood, after God has opened his horizon, changed his perspective to see what he is actually doing, and now Habakkuk submit to God. Now the whole chapter 3 is pretty long, but I picked up some of the verses that I think will really encourage us. Habakkuk said, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, because it's burned down by the Babylonian, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in a pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. And finally, he says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Worship is a, ve- is a weapon. 
take homes. I have seven take homes here. Number one, bring your complaint before God. Okay, like we acknowledge, we, we, we admit. Most of us will have complaint here and every now and then. And sometimes complain against God's very own people. Bring our complaint before God. Lah. Don't need to bring to people, bring to God. Lah. Because when we bring to God, God will help us to see from His point of view. God will change our perspective. God will soften us. God will expand our horizon. And even as we bring to God, we bring it in prayer, we are going to actually be able to connect with God and allow God to help us to yield to what He is doing. Number two, keep a soft spot for God's people. Somehow this thing comes to me, I mean, as I prepare this. Habakkuk has a soft spot for the people of Judah. He wanted them to be punished, but immediately when he see God is going to punish them that way, he said, no la, no la. Please la, please la. He has a soft spot for his people. And I think we should keep a soft spot for one another maybe, for God's people. I mean, not all of us are the most uh, perfect bunch of people. <laughs> I myself included, did right? Okay. So keep a soft spot for one another. Don't harden ourselves. Yes, people may not change sometime, um, but God worked in our midst despite and in spite of differences. And yes, some of us have problems. Some of us have some weakness. We keep them in prayer. Some of us have blind spots. They just cannot see. Are you whining? Why you can't see? You shouldn't be doing this. You should be doing that. But blind spot is blind spot. Lah. It's his blind spot. So we keep them in prayer. Have a soft spot, spot for them. And come together rather than going apart. Take home number three. Make things right with man and with God. So in the message, which was quite heavy just now, it's about sinning against God and God is going to punish Judah. So if we have something amiss, something that's not right, we ourselves know, or if we do not know, pray that God will reveal it to us and we make it right. Make it right with God or make it right with men, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's bitterness, whether it's unbelief, and whether it is our priority in lives that we need to realign so that there will be no hindrance for God's blessing to flow in our lives. Amen? Take home, number four. Put your faith and your trust in God even when it is tough. Judah is heading for a very, very tough time. Habakkuk already see it is going to be a very tough time ahead. So if you are in a season of your life when your road ahead seems to be difficult, your challenges ahead seems to be mountain high, don't be shaken, but trust God. Lean on Him in spite and despite of all this. Submit to God and cling to Him. Lean on Him. 
God is working, even if we don't see it. So He never leaves us nor forsakes us. His way is higher than our ways. We may not understand right now why He's doing this, why He's allowing this. But God is in control. And He will make a way when there seems to be no way. The remnant eventually found a way to come back. Amen? And if you need a prayer, if you have some very difficult situations, please get in touch with the pastoral team and we'll pray for you. Take home five. Just as Habakkuk positioned himself on the rampart. We want to position ourselves strategically in readiness. Sometimes I think this position ourselves strategically, strategically, can be a bit, a bit cliche, you know. Okay, I'm going to position myself strategically. So, what are you going to do? So, I think it goes down to we knowing our call and our purpose and that we avail ourselves, we are willing to let God use us and put us and walk into that God-ordained position for us. Okay, I'm not talking about holding a position, but that ordained work that God wants us to be doing. And the church can only function if each and every one of us are positioned strategically and rise up and do what is God has placed in our heart to do. No one should be doing everything and no one should be doing nothing. And so we want to be in the posture of readiness like the video of the lady just now so that we get set and then and only then we would be ready to run with the vision in clarity and in urgency. So God has given us a new team. I'm excited. You know why? <laughs> because I think I, I came in 2022, it was restoration. And in 2023, is restoration again. Hmm, I say still restoration. Hmm. And now this year, we are moving on. We are moving forward. Good. Great. So we want to run with the vision in clarity and in urgency. So we are going to catch it. We are going to stir up one another. And we're going to remove anything that distracts us or obstructs us or clouds us so that we can move together. So that everyone can share it, carry it together and be a part of it. Amen? And that will allow God to move in us, among all of us, powerfully. And so lastly, be faithful, rise up, and build. So we mentioned about the word faith just now. It's the same as faithfulness. Faith is faithfulness. Faithfulness is faith. It's not one time, it's continuous. It's, on, it's going to be ongoing, an exercise of faith, increase our faith. It is an ongoing learning process. We expand our faith in God. And God will extend our territory. Hallelujah. And we will not shrink back. 
we will not shrink back. So before we close, I'd like to just go back to the three chapters we have seen in Habakkuk. The confrontation speaks, I mean, in the confrontation, we, we see that God, uh, Habakkuk came to God, he inquired. I mean, of course, that's not I say he complained, right? He inquired of God. He brings questions to God. Very difficult question to God. But God can handle all our difficult questions, you see. No problem. God can handle it. So anything, just bring it before God. Like what I just first take home just now, right? Just bring it to God. So he inquired of God. You can see the question inside the inquiry. Yeah? Q-U is there. Yeah? Inquire of God. Well, let us inquire of God. Anything we're not sure. We don't know what to do. Let's inquire of God. And God is faithful, so He will answer. And when He answers, we will be enlightened. God will bring light. You see the light, right? God will bring light into the situation. And the light will bring clarity. And things will make sense. And when things make sense, when you know what God is doing, there will be hope. And that's why when we already understood from God's perspective, when we submitted to God, we will be enlivened. Our spirit will be lifted. When the light comes, there will be life. There will be life. Amen.